I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette and today we're talking to Dr. Pamela Jenkins. She's a senior research officer at See Me Scotland and is also the host of Our Time's mental health podcast, My Family, Mental Illness and Me. We're going to be chatting to her about what it's like growing up with a parent with a mental illness. So you've spoken about how your mother had schizoaffective disorder. Um, Are you comfortable telling us a bit about how this affected you growing up? I think I only really reflected on it as an adult the impact it had on me growing up I'm not sure how aware of what I was at the time that it was impacting me um it I had a great relationship with my mom she was a, a a lovely person but definitely her her mental illness um created anxiety in me and at the time I didn't realize that that was the source of my anxiety and her, her mental illness uh, meant that she she often spoke to herself. She often laughed, would have full-on conversations with people who I couldn't see, <laughs> who I couldn't hear. And that was all I knew. So initially, I didn't think that that was different to the way anybody else's parent behaved. But as I grew older, I started to recognize that not everybody behaved that way. And it, it, I realized that that was different behavior from other people's parents and it it made me very anxious and worried so as a young, even as a young child i was i was really quite anxious and i just i worried about her all the time and i was always worried that something would happen to her or um that she wouldn't be taking proper care of herself um And it was sort of compounded after my father died when I was 11. And I went to move away to live with my aunt and uncle. And I would go home and see my mom at weekends. And 
I, 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 I was always trying to control her behavior and worrying about her when I wasn't around. And so effectively taking over that caring role, I think my dad never wanted me to be a carer for my mom. That was why the decision was made that I would stay with family the majority of the time, uh, because there was a real chance I would become a carer. But I would argue that children in a position where they are concerned for a parent with a mental illness are carers by fact of just worrying about them anyway. And that's on a, on a spectrum. But when you live with a parent with a mental illness, whether you're aware of it or not, it is, it is impacting on your life and, and, and it is present all of the time. And it was, it was, it was very difficult. And just looking back on it, I can see the impact that it had a lot more clearly than when I was young and nobody was talking about it really. So, um, there wasn't really that opportunity to process it until I was a little bit older. And then, and then the anxiety became a bit of a problem when I was a teenager and I went to see a psychologist and, uh, we spoke about it and I realized that my mom and, and that illness was the underlying cause of, of what I was going through. Mm. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will kind of relate to that idea of kind of the roles being changed almost in, in terms of feeling like um, you're the parent rather than your parents. Um, how has the relationship sort of changed um, between you and your mum now that you're a grown up? Well, sadly, my mum died in February, so she passed away from COVID. And when, when, when I was a grown, after I grew up and I went to university, my mum went through this period where she was, she, she stayed at home. So she didn't, um, she was last hospitalized when I was seven and, uh, and then my father died when I was 11 and she wasn't hospitalized again until I was in my twenties. So when I was at university and things, my mom was at home living on her own. I'm still worried about her, but we had, she was able to still engage with me and we would have long conversations on the phone and I would go home to visit. And we had a real, we had a strong bond. We had a great bond she was wonderful and it didn't really impact our relationship in a in a negative way but it as as I got older I didn't really lose that caring role I I worried about her all the time so and we never really spoke about her illness she had very little insight into her illness which is one of the features of schizoaffective disorder so she didn't have much insight into it. She didn't really accept that she was unwell. So um, trying to, I, I always tried to control her behavior and what she did. And even down to her smoking, she smoked. And I was always trying to get her to cut down smoking. And it was just this perpetual, almost trying to change her. And yeah, she wasn't for changing and nor should she have been um, but it came from a place of love and care, you know. I would I wouldn't change the person that she was for the world. Can you tell us a bit about the work that you do now um, and how you think maybe um, your childhood and maybe growing up in that environment influenced your career choices? Because you've got a really interesting um, role now, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, so um, well, now I work for the Mental Health Foundation. <laughs> so um, 
yes, one could argue that that's not a coincidence, even though, you know, if I look back, I think, oh, well, I just happened to do this and I just happened to see this job advertised. Um, I'm sure that, that there are, even if it's subconscious, there are reasons that I'm working at the Mental Health Foundation. So I, I work um, at the, the Scotland office and I work primarily on a programme called See Me, which is Scotland's national anti-stigma and discrimination campaign. And we, are, we do evaluation and research for them and learning. Um, so immediately working in, around stigma and trying to reduce stigma, uh, which is, again, another feature of my childhood with my mum's mental illness, as it is for many children. And I work across a number of programmes of work. And through the work that I was doing um, at the Mental Health Foundation, I came across um, Our Time because I've been interested in um, bringing the Kids Time workshops to Scotland and also in doing more research around uh, children of parents with mental illness and their families. So... I contacted our time about about doing different bits of work and that was always sort of on the back burner and then I had known for a long time I wanted to do something uh, around my experience but knowing that it wasn't really about my experience it was about opening up the conversation with other people around their experiences as well and starting that conversation so um, I hit upon this thought about a podcast and I took it to our time and they loved it they 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 wanted to be involved and they took over and they've funded it and it's it's been just it's just been great and it's just starting that conversation and and start and generating a community around around this because there was nothing growing up and our time offered these wonderful workshops, kids time workshops for children and families where there is a parent with a mental illness. And if there had been something like that when I was young, I would have absolutely jumped to the chance as, as my family would have done. And as the Joe Wicks episode of the podcast, he, he said in his episode, he says, if only this had been available to everybody or when, you know, everybody in this position. So I never anticipated that I would be, you know, sort of go down a path of of doing podcasts that hadn't really um been a thought really until last year and as it turns out I think it's been the best platform for for having this conversation actually so tell us more about that podcast so it's uh, my family mental illness and me um tell us a bit more about the episodes and also what your hopes are for that and what kind of stories have been told on there so far so uh, the podcast is, uh, it, there are eight episodes and it's basically, it's almost like listening into somebody's conversation that they're having over dinner or at the pub or over a coffee. And it's a, it's about sharing. So it's a shared conversation, but the focus is on the contributor or the guest for that episode. But we'll share our experiences and of being a child of a parent with mental illness and each episode is is very different because there's such a breadth of experience and I think that's what's really important to note as well nobody's experience is the same you know no mental illness is the same so there's such a, a wide range of of experience for children out there so uh there are some of the the 
the sharing is quite raw and um one of the episodes has a you know a suicide warning attached to it because the guest parent uh, took their own life and other guests have found themselves in care um which is another important point not not all children will go into care um some will and so again having these conversations is so important to to let all of these children know that they're not alone and to open up that public engagement with this issue that has been so overlooked and yeah they're just there's just such a a, a breadth and then we have guests you know who can bring some a bit of light relief to the the conversation as well and i think we just hope that that people listen and that there's an awareness of this vulnerable population who if we don't pay them more attention are more likely in longer term to have mental health problems themselves and in terms of policy and service provision that's what we're hoping ultimately will come from this you know so generating a community for people in this position and it's an in it and it's a, a position that you stay in you know you grow up you grow up with your parents and then or your carers and then we, we would hope for change and more support for these families and these children support in the form of for example the kids time workshops it would be great to see such provision more widely available for for children and families yeah absolutely um as you sort of mentioned briefly already you've had some really interesting guests already you've had um everyone from joe wicks to the creator of bbc's in my skin um, which is about a girl who has a, a mum with bipolar disorder can you tell us a bit more about the um the charity our time that's because they're behind the podcast aren't they and i have to admit i hadn't really heard about them or their work before this um could you tell us a bit about them and what they do yes of of course um so our time are a charity for children of parents with mental illness and their families and they run um they run a schools program and they also run kids time workshops so uh these workshops are specifically for families where there is a parent who has a mental illness um and the the children and the adults attend together um including the parent <laughs> so um during the workshops they'll uh work in separate groups so the young people will work together and the adults will work together and the groups are intended to uh, help the, the young people um, understand mental illness and learn more about it. And so they do this through drama and discussion and games. And then the parents with the illness have an opportunity to talk to one another and to connect. And then they'll all, you know, come back together and and share these experiences. And it's, it's just an opportunity for people in similar circumstances to support and, and to share. And again, it's that idea of community generation to overcome stigma and to help people feel like they're not they're not alone and um there's a sort of underlying underlying basis of um three pillars which is that you know showing the children that they're not they're not alone um giving them that adequate appropriate and good explanation of what mental illness is and not and and their parents mental illness and providing trusted people for them to talk to and these are things that don't exist elsewhere in the system and 
I think that that's part of the problem because I think it's not just, uh, I don't think it should necessarily always be the the family's responsibility to to talk to their children about mental illness. The families are dealing with these mental illnesses. I think it would be so much better if we had services like the kids time workshops and what our time offer. And if, for example, families were more part of the, the, the care for where there's a parent with mental illness and within that the child is made aware of what is happening and what is going on and supported through the various services that are in place for their parent. There's kind of a long road, isn't there, between um, somebody having a mental illness and looking after a child and getting to the point where they're diagnosed and then maybe getting to the point where they can they can see a charity like that, if that makes sense. I think um, a lot of people would have that experience of living with a parent and they're not diagnosed or they're not talking about it, so they're not prepared to go to a charity like this yes absolutely and I think that that um highlights two really important points one the in terms of the numbers of children that are in this position we don't know the exact number we know that it's close to four million now um based on the the facts and figures that we we do have but what about those children those children who haven't been identified and those parents who haven't been diagnosed um and also that that sort of service and policy provision needs to be embedded a lot sooner so that people aren't reliant solely on third sector services, providing them with a service that should be able to be identified and provided a lot earlier on in that pathway. So that's, you know, ultimately if we can get people listening and draw attention to this, (laughs) this issue, then perhaps there'll be, there'll be better identification, better service provision. That would be fantastic. Absolutely. I've got so many things to ask you, but I'm afraid we need to wrap up soon. (laughs) So I've got a final question, which is a huge final question. (laughs) Oh, no, I hope I I, I talk too much. Yeah, it's not a a little one. (laughs) Brace yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what thoughts or advice would you give um, to young people who have parents who are affected by mental illness? Um, whether they're sort of struggling now or whether they're kind of coming to terms with what they grew up with? Oh, so this is a tricky one and one I I thought about recently. I think I think the advice for me for me would be just to do what you're comfortable with. So I think talking about it is very, very important, but you have to be ready to talk about it. And not everybody is ready. I mentioned earlier about reflection. So, so much of it for me was on reflection of about when I was a child and, and, and circumstances and the impact that it had. So you don't necessarily know day to day when, when you're a child or an adult that these things have impacted. Um, so I think just, yeah, when you're, when you're ready and then finding a trusted person to talk to, somebody who you feel safe and comfortable talking to, and not putting pressure on yourself either to talk or for who that person should be, because it might be the person that you might not think of. A lot of the work I do at the Mental Health Foundation um, is with children. And through that work, I've learned that often children will say um, that they, they will talk about mental health, but they won't do it with their best friend or their parent 
um, or even a teacher, actually what they will do is they might do it with a family friend or they might talk to an auntie, somebody who's not part of their daily life all the time, who's slightly removed, that gives them a bit of space as at the same time. So I think, I think, yeah, those are the two important things. I think just being ready, not putting pressure on yourself and, and finding that person who, who you feel comfortable talking to. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, you can give the Samaritans and Ring on 116123. If you like Mentally Yours, you can also find us on Twitter. We're at MentallyYRS. We also have a lovely Facebook group, which is just called Mentally Yours. And if you really liked us, you could do us a massive favour and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated, uh, helps us, you know, continue doing what we're doing. So please do rate and review and check back in next week for more Mentally Yours. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.